Oh, this is great to see you. If we haven't met, my name is Giulio, and I work at Covent Garden Talks uh, with Anna and Wes, who might join us uh, at some point soon. Um, thanks, Anna, for reading. And we'll start today by talking a little bit about school. Um, you might have good memories of school or bad memories. Um, I have both. I remember, uh, I remember uh, the great times at school when I was elected class representative, that very prestigious title, um, and the less great times when, as class representative, uh, during school hours, I led the entire class to McDonald's. Uh, so good times and terrible times. Uh, and most of us would probably fall under the category of the average student. Um, uh, but we all remember that classmate, don't we? That, that top pupil, the very best of the class. Uh, he not, not only was he better looking than us, uh, better at sports, um, more intelligent, but sometimes, very annoyingly, even just a lot nicer than us. Um, so you might think of a, a person or two from your school days. Um, now, imagine for a moment what it would be like to be their teacher. Uh, of course, you might, you might be very proud of them, uh, to have them in your class. Um, but imagine that you'd probably be also a lot ner- very nervous. Uh, you'd be worried about whether they would be able to carry on in this way, pursuing excellence, uh, and not being thrown back into mediocrity by, by one of his na- naughty classmates, one of us, that is. Um, what would you do as a teacher to encourage the student? Um, how would you convince them that all the hard work, the missed parties, um, uh, being made fun of perhaps, are actually worth it? How would you ensure that they made it to the end? And so these uh, are a lot like the concerns that Paul, the Apostle Paul, had for this new group of Christians that Anna just read about uh, in, the, in the Greek city of Thessalonica. Um, uh, and, and John will be able to confirm if that's the right pronunciation. I think it's Thessaloniki today, it's still, still a city today uh, in Greece. Um, and they were a baby church, uh, probably no more than a year old. Um, and yet, they were the best students of the class. They showed so much potential. Um, and if you were with us last week, uh, you might remember in chapter 1 that we studied um, um, how Paul describes them, how he remembers them in, in verse 1, in verse 2 of chapter 1, uh, where he says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labour of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, they were doing so well as Christians. They had believed the gospel of Paul, even though they were persecuted for it. Um, And now all the other churches around Greece have been gossiping about how good they are. Um, If you look down, if you have a Bible open uh, at verse 9 in chapter 1, for they themselves, these other churches, report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So these Thessalonians are doing so great. Uh, They have left their pagan practices and now they've embraced this Christian message from Paul. In other words, they have become that very annoying classmate. Um, And so Paul writes to them saying how thankful he is for them. Um, He says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in full conviction. So the way they responded to his message is evidence of the fact that they are chosen by God, he says. 
So these Thessalonians, they are on the right track, and Paul, their teacher, wants them to know that. But Paul, like any good teacher, knows full well that there will come times, there will be people who will come to Thessalonica and will start shedding doubt on this message. Uh, There will be like naughty schoolmates trying to dissuade the top students to revising for the exam. And I remember my flatmates in my university days uh, persuading me that watching 8 Mile, the film that made Eminem famous, was a good idea before uh, my English literature exam. And I remember my professor interrupting my presentation the next morning, four minutes into the presentation, saying, Mr. TV, please stop talking nonsense. Um, so we can imagine these friends persuading the Thessalonians, um, um, and, and we can imagine the things they might say. Uh, oh, you know this gospel about Jesus? It's not really that special. Um, you don't have to listen to Paul. Uh, who is he anyway? He's uh, some Jew from Tarsus. Do you really want to give up all your traditions and your freedom for this gospel about Jesus the Christ? So even the best student will need to have good reasons to carry on resolutely when faced with this kind of pressure. Uh, They will have to be fully convinced that this message they have received is the true message from God. They will need assurance that what they've embarked on is the right boat, uh, that the horse on which they place their bet is the winning one, uh, that this from Paul is the true gospel of God, that it's not just nice news, but that it is true news, uh, that God is truly behind it. And I wonder whether uh, similar we need this kind of assurance uh, as Christians sometimes. Um, Chances are that if you are an average student like me, an average Christian, uh, you will need from time to time to stop and to think, um, why am I doing this Christian thing again? Is it really worth it? Uh, Is God really behind this or have I made it all up? Uh, We might have thought that once or twice. I imagine it's quite normal. And perhaps we don't consider ourselves Christians today and so it's not, it's not as if we, we are an average student. We're just not, not even in the same school as these guys. And so naturally we'll have all sorts of doubts um, about this message that Paul proclaimed in northern Greece uh, almost 2,000 years ago. So what does Paul have to say to our doubts? Um, we're going to look at how Paul assures his best students that they are right in the middle of what God is doing in the world. Um, so I wonder what you might have done. In his shoes, uh, perhaps we might have gone back to Jerusalem trying to scout for evidence of all the things that he's been saying about Jesus. Or I guess I might have leveraged on, on his authority as an apostle. Do you know who I am? I am the chosen messenger of God. Trust me. Um, instead, we just read, he reminds them of what happened uh, when they arrived in their city not that long ago. Do you remember, he says... He says in verse 1, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. Paul wants him to remember the way he and his band of apostles arrived in Thessalonica. How they behaved, what they did do, and what they did not do. So how do you know if the gospel you have believed is true? Well, simply remember those who have brought it to you, Paul is saying, are coming was not in vain. And the surprising thing we're going to see is that the best piece of evidence for the message is the messenger. What he does, why he does it, and how he does it. Um, And the way Paul structures his argument in the next seven verses, I find it utterly convincing. Um, So we're now first going to look at what 
he did in Thessalonica, what happened? Uh, we see that in verse 2, if you look down. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. So what he's talking about is described in a different part of the Old Testament in a book called Acts, uh, chapter 16 and 17. Um, And there we find that their going to Macedonia to share this gospel message was anything but smooth. Um, Their time in in that Roman colony called Philippi wasn't at all easy. Um, Yes, men did become Christians, but humanly speaking, it wasn't exactly a road trip. Uh, So there, a mob attacked Paul um, and his companions. They were beaten, uh, imprisoned, and they were eventually freed only thanks to an earthquake and to the fact that they were Roman citizens. Uh, So by now, Paul knows full well that this message about Jesus will not make him popular. Uh, either with Jews or Greeks. Everywhere they went, they suffered, were publicly shamed. Um, and he knew that Thessalonica, the next town down the road, would have been much the same. Um, so I wonder, what would you do if, you, if that was your experience? Uh, would you carry on in the same way? Um, surely when th- things seem, seem to work, don't seem to work at all, the logical thing to do is to, is to change strategy. I assume that's what you do at Rothsay and, and other workplaces. Um, um, there's a saying that goes, to err is human. Um, you might have heard it. I think the saying continues, but to persevere in the same way is foolish. Uh, it's a certain thing to do. When a team loses too many games, the manager changes. We saw that last week with Jose Mourinho, the, one of the best managers in the game, he got the sack. When an expedition is unsuccessful, you have to turn back, go home, see Ernest Shackleton. When a government fails, well... Sealer's trust. But Paul seems to be saying that he didn't mind living like a fool. Despite the suffering, he knew that that would cause. He was bold, some might say mad, and he persisted in the same way, declaring this gospel of God even in Thessalonica, in the midst of much conflict. So these are the facts. This is what he did. But now why did he do it? What would need to take over you for you to go ahead, facing the same sort of opposition, the beatings, the shame? Why were they bold like this? Well, answer, because their message is the truth. That's our second point, truth. If you look down at verses 3 and 4, he says, For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. We were bold among you, says Paul, some might even say mad, because we are telling the truth. It is not a mistake we've made, it's not, we're not trying to fool anyone. Paul genuinely believed that this message he was preaching was the gospel, that is the message that God entrusted him. He's doing it to please God, not to please man. He is the one who tests their hearts, not the mob, not even the Thessalonians. He is concerned with the truth. And if that were not the case, he says, why would we ever come to you? If we had made it all up and we were trying to trick you into believing something we knew to be false, why would we ever go through the things we went through? Again, the best piece of evidence for the message is the messenger. The dedication of the messenger messenger shows, at the very least, 
their certainty in the message. And I can think of one great example um, in recent history uh, of dedication in my country, Italy, um, when in, in, on the 23rd of May 1992, 400 kilograms of explosive placed under a highway in, near Palermo in Sicily exploded, um, uh, killing uh, Giovanni Falcone, who uh, was the leading magistrate fighting the Sicilian mafia at the time, um, along with his wife and three uh, police escort agents. Uh, the country mourned uh, while the mafia rejoiced. And Paolo Borsellino, who was uh, the second most important magistrate in the country, who would also be killed by the mafia a, a month later, uh, said these words at his funeral. And said that Giovanni knew full well that the mafia would have killed him at some point one day. His wife knew full well that she would one day share in his death. The escort agents who protected him also knew full well that they would also have shared at the same end. So why did he not run away? For love. Love for his city. Love for his people. The dedication of the messenger shows his certainty in the message. And clearly their actions validate the message. And I think, personally, this is one of the most compelling arguments uh, for the reliability of the apostles, of the Bible. Uh, A bit like the anti-mafia magistrates. Uh, They loved the truth, the apostles. They genuinely believed in this message about Jesus. Um, That he was in Galilee and Judea performing miracles just a couple of decades prior to them. Uh, That he was seen crucified and later raised from the dead. And so that he truly was the son of God, and that he will return and judge the world one day. They genuinely believed that because they had seen it with their own eyes. And that's the only explanation for their actions. That's why they decided to go from town to town, Philippi, Thessalonica, sharing this message about Jesus. He really is the son of God, they were saying, so come join him. That's their message. Why else would they be willing to endure public shaming, imprisonment, beatings, risk of death, over and over again. Their boldness is evidence of their truthfulness. However, we we might still be here and asking ourselves, how do we know? How do we know for sure that Paul was proclaiming this message in good faith um, and that he did not make up uh, persuasive arguments in order to gain something out of it? Um, If it's true that the best piece of evidence for the message is the messenger then how was this messenger? How do we know that Paul was uh, was the real deal? He was not a fraud. So we've seen the what, what they did. We've seen the why, and now we move on to the how. And look down at verse 5. He says, For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, that we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. We were bold to come to you with this message, which would have put us in danger. This because we genuinely are preaching the true message of God, and you know that we are genuine, because you remember what we were like. Firstly, we didn't try to flatter you with ulterior motives. Um, and we see this all the time at work, I'm sure. Uh, brokers and sales director, 
chatting to their client. Hey, good to see your boy. How's the wife? How's the family? How are, how are things with you? Maybe I'm being too cynical, but it's really flattery, isn't it? Um, how interested could you possibly be in each other's families? One wants to deal, the other one wants to get their boss off their back, and so the best possible manners come out. Um, I'm sure this never happens at Rothsay, uh, ever, or any, any of your workplaces. But often we see that. But Paul wasn't after money or prestige from them or from anyone else. Clearly, clearly not from those outside the church, because they wanted to beat him up. Uh, but neither from the Christians there. Um, he didn't come flaunting his title as Apostle of Christ, saying, listen to me. He acted as if he was one of them. And it's always horrible to see leaders demanding things on the basis of who they are. Um, their life as messengers says a lot about their message. Um, you might have heard of, uh, recently of, of uh, uh, read on the BBC about T.B. Joshua, the Nigerian televangelist, uh, uncovered by the BBC for his abuse spanning over 20 years. Um, he faked miracles and deceived millions who would come to him for help. He used the name of God, the language of the gospel, to gain fame, success, glory, wealth. Now, we wouldn't need to listen to T.B. Joshua's sermons to know that he's a fraud. The life of the messenger invalidates the message. He, like many others, was never in it for the right reasons. He was not an authentic Christian worker. He did not do authentic Christian work. There is no way that God could be behind it. Paul's life, instead, validates his message. He is the authentic worker of God. He speaks the true gospel of God, and the Thessalonians can testify to that. And it's interesting that he was bold, but at the same time, entirely selfless, entirely gentle, like a mother, in fact, taking care of her children. Uh, You might have realized I'm Italian. Uh, My wife is is English. Uh, I'm personally okay with that. Um, I think my family is okay with that, too. Uh, but one of the things my wife finds the hardest to understand about Italian culture is Italian mums. Uh, you might know this already. I, I personally didn't realise until my wife pointed it out. So the fact that my mum at home does everything. Um, every time my wife would offer to help, say, with cooking, I'd have to say to her, no, no, darling, mum will do it. Um, and then she'd have to clean up afterwards and have to repeat, no, 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 no mum will take care of it. What about the laundry? No, no, mum will do it. Um, and my wife now, she was very quick to clarify that she wants to maintain English traditions as much as possible in the house, which I'm fine with. But you see that from that, we can understand what Paul means when he talks about motherly affection. He's offering this kind of picture, a selfless care, Mediterranean-style mum, a total dedication with nothing to be gained from it. That's what good mothers do, even though not necessarily... In the, in the Italian way. Um, and that's what Paul did, nursing selflessly. And by the way, that is what true, authentic Christian work, Christian ministry is. It's bold, almost to the extent of recklessness. Why? Because it comes from a total conviction that God has truly spoken through Jesus and now speaks through the gospel message. And therefore, it is entirely selfless and self-giving. As he said, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. 
This is the kind of work that produces top students, fruitful Christians like the Thessalonians. And I hope we do, we do see that work, that we do experience that kind of work, that we expect it even, um, but also that we're part of it, that we, we take part in this work. Because unlike pretend Christian workers, this work actually does work. Um, and if we, if we don't call ourselves Christians today, uh, I hope we can appreciate the difference that this message makes in people. Uh, it's not the sort of message that we get, a bit like an unwanted email, um, but it comes with this kind of messengers. It is a message that not only is it true, but also transforms people and relationships. It is effective in creating true affection, true selflessness in people. Much more effective than the best list of company values. And if, no, if you have noticed any trace of that in Christians you have met, then maybe it might be worth looking into it. So to conclude, how can the Thessalonians continue to be that top student that they currently are? How can we be better students? Where will we find assurance that this gospel message is the true message of God? The answer, in authentic Christian work, which looks like Paul's original copy. And in particular, in Paul's work described here in the New Testament, um, and here we have been given first-hand testimony of the fact that his message about Jesus was proclaimed boldly, faithfully, and truthfully. And we can trust this testimony, and so we can have confidence that this message, the same for the last 2,000 years, is the right one to put our trust in. Um, that we're backing the right team, and that it's all worth it. Let me close us in a prayer. Father, we thank you for this afternoon. We thank you for um, this first-hand testimony that we have about uh, your gospel and your uh, gospel proclaimers. We thank you for this message that is so effective in changing people, and it has been for so long. Uh, please, Father, help us trust it more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, great. There are, this is the end of our formal time together. There are a couple of questions um, that should be at the, at the bottom of your handout. Why don't we spend me, if you like, two minutes to chat to, chat, to, turn to your neighbours about those questions. And then if there are any questions, comments we'd like to share, I'll, I'll bring us back together in two minutes and we can discuss.